And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Run the Table podcast. It is Monday, October 17th, and we are just after the crazy week six. With, honestly, I don't even know if I can say crazy anymore because it seems like every week is doing it to us right now. But we got a full casting crew here. Jason Katz with it, at Jason Katz, over 13, over on Twitter. Ian Wharton is here, at NFL Film Study, and myself, at Tommy Garrett, PFN. Gentlemen, it was an interesting weekend, and... We're going to get into some news here in a bit, but first of all, how are you guys doing? Did you end up having a good weekend? Ian, I'll start with you, bud. It was a good weekend. You know, we hit on some of our big picks and then some of the stuff yeah. that we took stabs on on Friday, you know, we talked about, hey, I think, you know, the Ravens are like the log of the week and then they lose because the Giants just keep pulling stuff off. It's pretty cool to see, honestly, Brian. I'm, I'm down with it. I like it, man. Oh, love it. Love it here for it with the one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. So happy to see that, but was pretty successful last week. Overall, we, we did better in our player props than what we talked about than against mm-hmm. the spread, but that's okay. Still came out with a winning record. So I'm pre- doing pretty good, man. Yeah. I think I know on mine, I think it was seven and nine on my player props. And when I'm doing props, I'll take that all day long missed on. It was. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I know it was a Tyler Lockett one. That one I thought should have hit. There was that one deep shot where I thought that one could hit, but just didn't work out. But overall, I'll take it. I'll take that compared to trying to compete with these, trying to guess a spread on a lot of these games because I don't know what the hell is going on in the NFL half the time anymore. Cats, uh, good to see you, bud. Been a little bit. So how was your weekend, my man? Yeah, pretty good. Um, more on the fantasy side for me. Still got a still got five matchups in play for Monday night, so that'll obviously make or break my week depending on how that goes. But um, overall, no complaints. Yeah, it was uh, it, it's always good when you go onto your phone and you just see a bunch of green next to your projections and next to your game lines. That's always a good feeling. You know, you probably had a good week uh, all around. We did have a couple injuries this weekend, but nothing as bad as what we've had here recently. Um, we saw Jalen Waddle end up having a shoulder injury. He said he was fine. I think we're all going to expect him to play on Sunday night against the Pittsburgh Steelers, so I can't wait for that primetime game. Good God. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, MetLife Field strikes again. Just just ban this from existence. Like, I'm so sick of MetLife Field causing injuries. Uh, Harbaugh did say that his knee um, tightened up on him, and it's a, it's the one that he's coming back from with that ACL tear. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, not a good sign, obviously. Uh, and we'll kind of talk about Kenyon Drake here in just a little bit of what that could mean. Carson Wentz dealing with a finger injury. Uh, he's dealing with a lot more than just finger injuries right now with the way he's playing. Um, we'll see how he's going to be. Deion Jackson did come down with a bit of a quad injury and after carrying the Colts on his back on this game, can't say I'm exactly surprised. Um, we'll kind of take a look and see what the status is going to be for Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor and whether or not they'll be able to suit up because if they do, then Deion Jackson is pretty much irrelevant to that point. Um, especially if Jonathan Taylor, uh, comes back and he's going to see on the entire workload. And then Hollywood Brown, uh, ends up injuring his foot on one of the final plays of the game gets rolled up on. I saw a lot of people on Twitter, uh, a lot of the um, injury specialists out there kind of talking about potential for a Liz Frank or a turf toe injury. Uh, X-rays were negative after the game, and then they were uh, going to get the further MRI imaging done on Monday. Have not seen any reports on that. It's about one o'clock in the afternoon when we're recording this for a little bit of information. And I think that's also pertinent to bring this up while we're talking about the exact same team as Robbie Anderson has been officially traded to the Arizona Cardinals after pulling 
kind of an a an a b on the sidelines like not sitting with the team getting into the coaches and then them just saying hey look we're done with you we send him to the locker room uh robbie anderson now joins the arizona cardinals uh ian i'll kind of kick this to you to get your first thoughts on this what are your what is your overall takeaways from robbie anderson joining the arizona cardinals now well i'm looking forward to seeing a seven wide receiver lineup for arizona once hollywood <laughs> eventually comes back uh, we got DeAndre, you know, Hopkins coming back finally. Robbie, I mean, I love it. This is this is a Madden game, but the team can't run the ball. Kyler Murray's the only one that can run the ball. Our guy, you know, Benjamin, our big miss of the week last week was Benjamin. We thought we'd go higher on on our underdog picks. Yeah. I think he was like 53 and a half, and he gets like 30-something. I was like, no, but I don't think it's Eno's fault. It's not our guy Eno's fault. That offensive line's just beat. And I think now it's going to start looking like, where do we look for Cliff Kingsbury? And we kind of talked about Florida State. Is it going to be welcome to FSU Twitter? It makes a little bit of sense. Like, literally, like, before the show, when we saw this news come out, we were literally sitting here just having a discussion about where we thought Cliff Kingsbury could end up coaching at because it's not going to be in the NFL, and he's going to go back to college. Florida State makes a little bit of sense. And if he could bring back Florida State back to relevancy, which they deserve to be, because, quite frankly, college football is better when those kind of schools are good. It's like with Michigan, like with Notre Dame, with Texas, USC, like college football is just better as a whole when they're all good. So, yeah, I think Florida State, um, sign me up for it, but I don't think he needs to be in the NFL uh, right now at this point. Now the way the Arizona Cardinals are going, we've kind of seen the the talk about the records. We all see the different graphics that are put out there about his how he's been in the NFL and kind of pretty much doing the least with the most at this point. Uh, Cats, kind of give me your takeaways on this one too, bud. Yeah, I kind of agree with Ian here. Uh, the Cardinals' offense is just—it's just a mess. I mean, I mean, we joke about the the failed air raid being a horizontal raid, and that's what we get when we have Kyler Murray out here with the lowest completion percentage in the NFL on throws beyond ten yards. I, I just—I mm-hmm. I loved Kyler coming out of college. I thought he was a sh- the, the absolute lock to be the first overall pick and the correct pick. It took me about three years. I completely turned on him. He's an NFL starter, obviously, but he's he's bottom fifteen, probably bottom ten. I just. I don't know how this offense can function with him playing the way he is. And it's every week with this. We just stop making excuses and realize that uh, Kyler Murray is part of the problem. And Robbie Anderson, while this may be okay for his fantasy value, it's not about to fix this entire offense. I honestly, honestly wonder, is this a better real life move than a fantasy one for me? That's what I'm honestly wondering. Yeah. I, I think that this is just something that the team needs because I understand that Ron Moore is certainly playing better, although he had some, some an inexplicable uh, play last uh, last night when he ran backwards after a catch for like 15 yards. It was it was very it's very strange to see. But uh, when you've Ron always Moore, been the most the most athletic person on the field, it takes a while to realize you're no longer that when you get to the next level. Yeah, those linebackers are fast and they can chase you down in the NFL. Uh, but Ron Moore is probably best suited as as the wide receiver three and in, in in the slot there. And getting Robbie Anderson will help keep him there. Which mm-hmm. at least at least keeps this offense functioning. I want to say optimally, it, it, but I use that term you know as loosely as possible because their version of optimal isn't necessarily good in the objective sense. So I, that's the best I've got for the Cardinals here. What are you guys' thoughts? I guess let's let's pivot this now to his his former team, the Carolina Panthers. How does this now impact the Carolina Panthers? I mean, specifically dj Moore, because that's all i care about in this world is what happens to dj Moore at this point because robbie anderson 15.6 percent target share almost 30 percent of the air yards and you look at the rest of this roster it's shy smith terrence marshall and lavisca chenault 
I think Terrence Marshall gets a little interesting here, but literally there's nothing they can do now but throw the damn ball to DJ Moore. Like, am I am I out of bounds on this one? Because I feel like this can only be a good thing for him. It's the reason I had him as a buy low last night in the article going out, assuming that this move might happen. I just didn't think it would happen less than 24 hours later. Yeah, I mean, unless a Baker comes back and it's a Rashard Higgins little, you know, two, three week mega show, which we've seen him do before. It's it's gotta be DJ, it's gotta be Christian McCaffrey, right? Like those guys have to get back on things, especially with the you know, the staff taking over for Matt Rule, right? Like they've got to put themselves in position to look the best that they can. They're all fighting for jobs for next year, obviously yes. not in Carolina. I think the easiest thing to do, especially for the guys that have been there multiple years, is just to look at this and say, what worked? Like, especially if Sam Darnold is the quarterback, what worked in previous years? That's going to be just force feed the ball to your guys. Like, do you remember those first four weeks last year when we were like, oh my God, Sam Darnold is back? Like, that's what we're hoping for at this point. Cats, uh, kind of give me your thoughts on the Carolina Panthers. I, I'm, I agree with what Ian's saying about the need to throw the ball to DJ Moore. But Robbie Anderson didn't see a target in week six. And DJ Moore still only caught three passes for seven yards. I, I know that we want DJ Moore to be good because we know he's good at football, but I, I just I can't support him being a buy low with the way this offense is because we've seen nothing to indicate anything's going to change. I understand they had PJ Walker and it was the first game with the with the new interim head coach and presumably we'll get Sam Donald back at some point in the next couple of weeks, which I can't believe we're saying that that we're hoping for Sam Donald back. But right now, I, I don't I don't know if we can bank on any sort of turnaround for this team. They just don't ha- they, they just don't have good players outside of DJ Moore and McCaffrey, and they're not using DJ Moore. At this point, like especially talk about the trade rumors. Like I don't see DJ Moore moving or anything like that because he just signed that big contract. But at, at least at this point, showcase the guy, your best talent at this point. Because if, if you do want to trade them, at least make them look good at this point. And my thing with with DJ Moore, if you want to buy low on him. You cannot find a player who has more talent than DJ Moore in fantasy that you can get for cheaper. Managers are wanting to get him off of their roster because it's clogging it right now. And if I can do that and get him for pennies on the dollar, especially for the only wide receiver who came into this season with three straight years of twenty of, of 1,250 scrimmage yards or more, I've got to take a shot on that. The upside is too much for what, I've, what it's going to cost me. I might not be able to start him, and he would sit on my bench until we saw something, but at least there's some hope in that, and that's the only thing I can think of. And speaking of the this whole situation, we just got more breaking news, and unfortunately, the comments I made about five minutes ago about Marquise Brown's foot injury, guess what? They are now coming to fruition. According to Adam Schefter of ESPN, Carl's wide receiver Marquise Brown suffered a potentially ending season-ending foot injury on Sunday, according to sources. He is undergoing further testing to determine the extent of the injury, but it does look like the confirmation most likely, given this uh, language. I'm going to assume a Liz Frank injury. Um, and that's, yeah, this is why Robbie Anderson makes sense. And now it's a necessary move at this point. I guess that also is going to change the outlook on Robbie Anderson at this point. He's now moving into the, the number two role instead of being a potentially number three, number four. He's now going to be critical into this offense. Um, so does that change your guys' opinion now, now that we have this new information? It definitely doesn't hurt. It definitely doesn't hurt Robbie Anderson. Um, I don't think it hurts uh, Kyler Murray nearly as much. I mean, I like. Uh, I think Mark, I think uh, this does lot. hurt Kyler just because that chemistry I, that he had. Like, I get that's I true. Get I think it Nuke hurts. Is coming I, back to help, but yeah, 
That's true. I, I do think it hurts his upside a little bit. I do think Robbie will be better than what maybe um, people expect. I think he's one of those guys that will flourish a little bit more in a new situation. In sure the meantime, as hell can't though, be worse. Right, that's true. <laughs> I do think in the meantime, right, like it's going to take a couple of weeks, though. So that's where, for me, it's like the next two or three weeks, even with Hopkins coming back, there is a little bit of a lower ceiling, of course. Yeah, there is. Um, but I guess with all that being said, at some point we're going to start talking about week seven, which it's going to be interesting. I think that's the best way I can put it. We kind of talked about it last week with some of these matchups on these teams. Uh, bye weeks are going to suck this week. So waiver wire, it's not good. This is not a good week for the waiver wire compared to last week where we were spoiled for talent. But you've got teams that are having to replace talent from the Buffalo Bills, Vikings, Eagles, and Rams this week. You're going to have to work the waiver wire most likely to some to some extent. Uh, but there's certainly no uh, Kenneth Walker or Eno Benjamin fooling around on the waiver wire this week. But we do have a couple options here, and we're going to kick some things off here with the fastest player in this this most recent draft with Tyquan Thornton of the New England Patriots. Finally got onto the board. Ian, talk to me about Tyquan Thornton. Do you think he could be a sustainable feature in this New England Patriots offense? There's been this opportunity, and you know, I think we looked at this early in the season, especially when they reached to seemed like they reached to draft him. You obviously have to have a role for someone like that, right? Like he's the most dynamic profile on the receiving room in the receiving room. Even if he was underwhelming, I think in college, I would definitely say he's the guy that brings the most unique skill set. If Nelson Aguilar wasn't going to break out, it's going to be Thornton who gets the the looks over the time. It's been nice to kind of see him gel uh, with the new quarterback situation. Obviously, with Mac Jones, I wasn't really sure with Bailey Zappi maybe this is the solution and maybe that'll lead to more uh, of a cohesiveness. Once Jones gets back in the lineup, obviously we know about the speed for two, eight, 40 time second round picks was a big investment there. We usually can follow investment early in their careers to kind of see what they're going to get 57% of snaps last week. So that's huge, right? That should continue to increase. Finally got a touchdown. One as a receiver, one as a rusher. I love that. So 53 total yards for him. I think it's going to keep growing. I don't know that he's going to obviously get the touchdown looks, but I think he's going to get the opportunities. And we've talked about this a lot where on a team like this, that's going to matter because they do scheme up some good opportunities for their playmakers. Yeah, it's almost just like a perfect storm, though. That's hard for fans and managers to trust. A wide receiver coming from Baylor going to the New England Patriots who have not been good at drafting wide receivers. It's just... It's so hard to put any faith in this offense, and especially just the way their track record. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, this isn't the next Nikhil Harry situation. But hey, Iglesias wasn't a first-round pick. It was just the most surprising second-round pick. It just so happens to be. Uh, speaking of those high-draft capital wide receivers, Wandale Robinson had his quote-unquote breakout game. I think we can say it wasn't necessarily the highest in utilization, but his impact was seen and felt nonetheless. Cats, give me some thoughts on Wondell Robinson, who kind of seems like he is really started going to be become a potential number one wide receiver for the New York Giants. You would think so, right? I mean, he only had three catches on four targets for 37 yards. He did score a short touchdown, which is simultaneously good to see, but it will raise his price on the waiver wire in terms of fab because people see the touchdown, they see the fantasy points, and they want to chase that. Uh, but, I mean... 23% who else share. are you going to get on this damn team though? Uh, that's kind of where I'm getting at is yeah, we see a 23% snap share and I'm attributing that to it just being his first game back. He's a rookie that has to go up. Yeah. I mean, just like Tyquan Thornton, you didn't take this guy to put him behind Darius Slayton, Marcus Johnson, David Sills, and Richie James. I mean, those are four receivers who we can make a legitimate like argument. 
that they shouldn't necessarily be on NFL rosters. All I noticed you kind of left out another name right there too with Kenny Galladay. Was that intentional? You know, just, just uh, oh, is he still in the NFL? Is that a, <laughs> is that a thing that, that they do? Uh, just not not really sure why. Uh, <laughs> I he's also hurt. You going. He's also hurt. Which I mean, listen, you never root for injuries, but obviously no. Kenny Galladay not being on the field helps the Giants. But Juana Robinson can help them even more. And who knows? Maybe someday Kadarius Tony will play football too, and they can actually have a nice dynamic duo at wide receiver one and wide receiver two. Yeah, I think that I think it'd be good out there. I think the one thing that was interesting with his utilization while he was only out there for 15 snaps, 13 of those came in 11 personnel, which is kind of showing that he was that number two wide receiver for the team, or at least a top two wide receiver for this team. I think he can absolutely be the number one, 73% route participation. We saw him as a rusher and a receiver, uh, both at Nebraska and at Kentucky. I'm a fan of Wondell Robinson. I think he could be. I think he'd be pretty darn good in the NFL, and hopefully, uh, the Giants, with the momentum they have, can really kind of get him into a uh, an advantageous p- a position to become a potential flex option for fantasy football. I think we'd all love to see that. Uh, Kenyon Drake out there only. He's only rostered four percent of leagues. Not the most surprising thing, uh, but end up having a darn good week. Like I said, talked about. Uh, J.K. Dobbins end up uh, his knee tightening up, as they said, rushing 10 times for 119 yards with a touchdown on the ground. Also ran 18 routes, uh, saw just under 60% of the snaps. For me, I think I think Kenyon Drake is definitely one of those guys you probably should go out there and get if you need a running back, just because we don't know what the future is going to be for J.K. Dobbins if they're going to try to play this slow, because quite frankly, they know the the future is more important than just a Week 7 matchup. Um, and they need J.K. Dobbins on this team to kind of chase those future goals uh, on this offense. They are going to be looking at a potential return for Gus Edwards, but how much he was lagging behind in his recovery compared to J.K. Dobbins. Obviously, injuries all kind of heal at their own rate. Um, we're going to have to see him kind of cut into this uh, workf- workflow a little bit, but I don't see him getting a massive uh, workflow in week one. Um, I'm sorry, his first week back. So I do kind of lean on Kenyon Drake as that running back. We probably want to roster um, moving forward just based off the speculation of what could happen to J.K. Dobbins. But yeah, Kenyon Drake, I think he's going to be an interesting name. I think another one that's really interesting, quite frankly, this is now a fourth game in a row where this dude is balled out. Although a touchdown did kind of salvage his day. Cats, Alec Pierce is looking like the real deal up there as that number two for the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, I mean, it, coming off a week, uh, previous week rather, on Thursday night when he actually had a better game than Michael Pittman, mm-hmm. uh, there, there was he was never going to overtake Pittman. That was never going to happen. But Pierce no. is is a solid wide receiver too here in for the Indianapolis Colts. Posted a sixty five percent snap share in Week Six, which was his highest of the season. It kind of keeps gradually increasing. He's still not an every down player. Still kind of a little behind Paris Campbell, but it's creeping up there. He ran forty one rounds on on fifty eight Matt Ryan pass attempts. That's just a he's just a twelve percent target share, and his forty nine receiving yards were his lowest since week one. But he caught that game winning touchdown, and I still like the role he has in his in his offense. And as a rookie, we typically see rookies perform better over the second half of their rookie season. Uh, so I think that this is a good pickup to make now. It has been a good pickup for the past couple of weeks because of the upside that Pierce does possess, especially for an offense that uh, we kind of think might have to throw the ball more as the season. Uh, progresses because I don't really expect them to be leading all that much. And so there's definitely opportunity here for Pearson. I would grab him if he's still out there. I'm just surprised he's rostered so low. Only rostered, I believe, in like 38% of Yahoo leagues. Only 25% in ESPN leagues, which is just kind of surprising given the track record because um, he's had some several good games. And normally, you know, fantasy managers are always, always quick to buy the hype of rookie receivers. I'm guilty of it myself. 
Like I always want those those high those high profile rookies, and especially someone that we liked coming out of Cincinnati. A uh, player we just kind of talked about here just a little bit ago, Rondell Moore out there in over half of fantasy leagues right now. And kind of gave me some thoughts on Rondell Moore. End up having a okay week, I think it's safe to say, 18 targets over the last two weeks. But does his upside change now, given the news that we've already gotten over the past like 24, especially 24 hours, but especially over the last like hour in general? Yeah, I think it might tick up a little bit, which is something that he needs. And some of this is out of his control. Moore has really been used as an underneath guy. He doesn't get a lot of passes beyond 10 yards. Even if he did, Kyler Murray has not been doing well, uh, completing just 35% of his throws beyond 10 yards. He's the worst deep passer in the NFL. So when you're looking at Moore, you're looking at that high floor, that low upside type. I'd love to start seeing him getting more red zone touches, but he's just an odd player. He's not really a traditional player who's going to do well in the red zone without amazing scheming obviously we talked about cliff kingsbury hasn't been super impressive with that aspect throughout his career uh in arizona so he's a guy that i like he's a guy that i like especially for uh raising the floor of your lineup a little bit i mean cliff kingsbury's best call was posting that picture of him chilling in his house during the nfl draft so far in his career um i like rondell Moore. i loved him when he was at purdue he was one of my favorite wide receivers coming out of that draft class He's just so overtly athletic between body control and just explosiveness. There's just no reason for him to have the A dot that he had last year and then also what he's got right now. You start using him correctly over intermediate routes, short intermediate, just get the ball in his hands. Let playmakers be playmakers and create situations for Kyler Murray. Don't put all the ports on him. You've got these good guys, just use them. That's all we can ever ask for. Um, just using him is exactly what the Indianapolis Colts did with Deion Jackson, uh, who did see a massive jump in roster ship going up to 43% after being rostered in less than 1% of leagues last year, uh, last week. And it absolutely worked. He was the clear lead back on the ground, rushing four, uh, 12 times for 42 yards. I think the thing that surprised me the most, 10 targets caught all of them for 72 yards. I think that might just be a factor of, the Colts knowing, hey, look, we don't have Jonathan Taylor who can make these runs work just because of his natural God-given talent. So we're going to use these targets as an extension of the running game, get the balls into these guys' hands. Um, didn't end up scoring a touchdown. Like I said, we heard his quad a little bit late in the game. If he, if that ends up being the case and no one comes back, they're looking to Philip Lindsay. Although it does seem like more than likely we see one of the two between Jonathan Taylor or Naheem Hines coming back. Um, it was close. Naheem Hines just has clear concussion protocol. And I say just, but with how concussions are being treated in the NFL over the last two weeks, I give no bets, no guarantees, no predictions on when players will come back from concussions. Um, but Deion Jackson, if you didn't get him last week, it might be chasing points to a certain extent. Um, however, we know that there will be a role for him if no one does come back. Someone who also had a massive role this week just due to other injuries on this offense. Marquez Callaway filling in for literally Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, and Chris Olave. Cats, do you think Marquez Callaway, is this something that could be sustainable for him moving forward, do you think? Uh, no, I'm going to open this, just the, the, the bluntness here. I, I don't think Callaway is worth a pickup. He's never really had success regardless of, of his role. I, I wish mean, you would just tell me how you really feel. <laughs> I you know I, I know I never do that so I'm sorry I'm changing it up a little bit now really giving putting my opinions out there. Um, last season 
Callaway was the team's wide receiver one. Without Michael Thomas, they didn't have Chris Olave yet. They hadn't signed Jarvis Landry yet. He, he had just an 18% target share and averaged 8.9 points per game. And now we saw him thrust into the wide receiver one role this past week uh, with no Olave, no Thomas, no Jarvis. And he played 75% of the snaps. He led the team in routes run, led the team in targets, and then he still didn't really do anything. He's just never produced. And I think, I think we're going to get Olave back this week. It's a short week. Uh, probably not going to have Michael Thomas or Jarvis Landry again. We may not see Michael Thomas the rest of the season. I just, I don't know if he can play football anymore, like his body physically. But regardless, Callaway, he's never going to be someone you're starting. So I, I wouldn't bother picking him up. For me, the the wide receiver I want off the New Orleans Saints, it's, it's Chris Olave. Outside of that, it's kind of a crapshoot to a certain extent. Give me the more explosive guy who I don't think is just a, a well-rounded player. Like I said, if Michael Thomas was healthy, he would be the number one with Olave being the vertical threat like we would expect. Uh, but for right now, I think Chris Olave is the best option there. But like I said, if no one comes back, then Marquez Callaway certainly will still have upside because they got to throw the ball to someone outside of just giving it to Taysom Hill every single play. Uh, speaking of someone they gave the ball to every single play, Robert Tanyan had his busiest game of the week, uh, sorry, of the season in a surprising 27 to 10 loss to the New York Jets at home. Green Bay is reeling. They had some injuries. We saw Randall Cobb go down, and I hate seeing that because Randall Cobb just one of those guys everyone just likes. It's I, I've never heard a bad thing said about Randall Cobb. Sucked seeing him kind of getting carted off. I mean, he went off, kind of getting carted off like off the sidelines. He got over, got over there on his own. But you see the tears in his eyes. He, you knew it probably wasn't great. But Ian, I mean, Robert Tanyan, given the the targets that he saw, saw twelve of them. Could we see Big Bob Tanyan kind of coming back and becoming a fantasy asset? I think so. I kind of felt like this was like a when it happens, not if it happens. The offense just needs him. I uh, played two thirds of the snaps. Like you said, twelve targets. The position as a whole this year is so weird. Taysom Hill, top three tight end, entering week six, God amongst us. I mean, the fact that that's happening, you know, obviously his usage has been weird. But, like, Tan there's room. There's room for Tanya. That's why we were waiting on David Njoku the whole offseason. We were like, okay, who's that guy? Like, Gerald Everett. Yeah, like, we kind of called him. Yeah, David Njoku. Okay, he's finally starting to work out. So, I think Tanya's right in that group. I like him a lot. It's just a matter of uh, him being healthy, being available, being reliable. Aaron Rodgers has been talking about it literally all season long. Who are my reliable guys? And, well, mm -hmm. they keep dropping like flies. Tanyan's right there. He's peaking at the right time. I definitely pick him up. Yeah, I uh, I hope this is a good sign for El Roberto Grande moving forward. Uh, that's about as good as you're going to get at me. I'm just a white dude in Indiana who can't hardly speak English. Um, we also got Hunter Henry, who had himself a good week. Second straight game with almost 100% snap share. Ran around on nearly every one of Bailey Zappi's dropbacks. Uh, goes four for 54 in week five, but also in this week, ends up having himself a big touchdown, which certainly helped his game going four for 61 with a touchdown in week six. I think you can certainly do worse than Hunter Henry, who's going to be one of those guys who is always going to be a, a red zone threat. And that's what his fantasy value is always going to be based around. But it's just, you got to get New England into the red zone first. You're not going to see a ton of these just broken coverage touchdowns for Hunter Henry. I wouldn't always expect that. Um, we did see Jonah Smith finally make a play awesome for himself, but clearly, you know, this is still the Hunter Henry show. If you're looking for a tight end up there in new England, I think it's worth taking a look at if you do need a tight end this week, some other guys to take a look at who are probably rosin over 50, uh, 50% of leagues, but are still worth a uh, consideration. Obviously Brian Robinson, uh, rostered in 65%, Khalil Herbert at 60%. 
I think that's a really interesting one because they kind of showed us, hey, look, this could be Dave Montgomery, but quite frankly, Khalil Herbert, we're still going to give him reps, and he's going to be explosive when he gets them. Uh, Naheem Hines, uh, I think that's another engine one, too. I see some people did end up dropping him. He's down to 51% rostered uh, with people dropping him over the bye weeks and also because he was out. Romeo Dobbs is 64%. Jacoby Myers sitting there at 73, who did have a bit of a, a disappointing week. We were all kind of hoping this kind of momentum would kind of carry forward, but he kind of went down a little bit. Robert Woods at 62%, and Tyler Boyd also at 62%. or some other names out there on the waiver wire, a little bit above the threshold we normally look at, but would certainly improve your team. Um, kind of moving forward here, if you guys want to win a free $200 bet this NFL season, well, as a new DraftKings Sportsbook user, you can bet $5 and win two, a free $200 bet. Head over to ProFootballNetwork.com and check out the latest betting promos to claim this offer today. We still got another game going on this week with Monday Night Football as the 2-3 and three Denver Broncos have another AFC West matchup against the 3-2 and two Los Angeles Chargers. NFL went all in on the Denver Broncos this year and just this division in general with all these primetime games. Hopefully we can finally get a good one out of the Denver Broncos and hopefully it doesn't look anything like that Thursday night game did against the Indianapolis Colts because I don't know how many more of those I can take and still want to tune in. Um, Ian, kind of give us your uh, your first little rundown here of Monday Night Football, bud. Yeah, I, I don't have super high expectations for this one either. Um, it's just kind of a tough matchup, right? Like these two teams, uh, they play a little bit of an ugly style, especially with the the Chargers defense. They have not been what we had expected for them, especially to make their big acquisitions over the, the offseason that yeah. they did. So for me, I'm looking at this one, I say Chargers. I like that four points. Looking at Denver, how they're struggling. Looking at their identity crisis. Their defense is great. So I'm looking at that. I think it's going to be a little bit of a close game, obviously, because both, I think offensively, they both kind of struggle to punch the ball in sometimes. Obviously, with Denver, we know that to expect that. So I like the Chargers minus four. Uh, the Chargers are four and one against the spread in their last five. Denver's one and four. They've also hit mm -hmm. the under in four of their last five. And in this matchup, six of their last nine, they've hit a nice under. So we're going to go for Chargers minus four and the under on 46. That makes a lot of sense and also follows a lot of the trends that we're seeing out there also. Katz, you've been doing pretty darn good this year on those touchdown props. Are there anyone, is there anyone you're looking at for two tonight uh, that could have some anytime touchdown scores? Um, there's nothing that I'm necessarily looking at that I'm going to bet, but there are two of them out there that I think are at least uh, worth a shot if you want to get some action here. I think that a Melvin Gordon anytime touchdown might be worth a stab. I mean, he didn't he didn't score last week. I mean, he scored a lot of touchdowns through the air, or at least when they score touchdowns. Uh, the Chargers allow the most fantasy points to running backs. Their fourth worst expected points allowed on uh, for that run defense. So Melvin Gordon at plus 150. Those are pretty good odds for a starting running back who's probably going to get goal line carries. And if you want to go on the other side, if you really want a nice long shot, you can go with Joshua Kelly first touchdown. Uh, he only had four less red zone carries than Austin Eckler. And he uh, he does look like he might be the goal line back. They have been easing, uh, taking the load off Eckler a bit and using Kelly more. So if, if he's going to get you know six to eight carries a game, they get inside the five, we could see Joshua Kelly punch in a short touchdown. We almost saw this happen a couple weeks back with Sony Michelle. So maybe this time it'll be Kelly and he'll actually find a way into the end zone and we can cash on that. That would be the hope because it's hard to get, it's hard to cash in on a 2200 uh, prop bet. But if we can hit it on that one, like I said, put it, 
it's obviously a sprinkle. Don't put your entire banker on this for the love of God. Don't do it. But if you want to sprinkle on it just a little bit, it makes a ton of sense in the world. Um, do you have any other any other suggestions for this game? Any other plays or anything? No, uh, no, that's that's really it. I, I don't have any NFL player props that I'm looking at. Uh, had a rough week on props this season. My first real big losing week of the season: six and eleven minus six point seven four units. Uh, it was still up on the year overall. At 55 and 47, plus 4.03 units, uh, down weeks are going to happen. You, you can't win all the time. Uh, the good news is the, the anytime touchdown props are kind of buttressing everything here. We are now 8 and 6 at plus 8.65 units on the season. Another 2 and 1 week, plus 1.75 units. Uh, so we've, we've been all right, and uh, we will bounce back next week. Are you guys tired, tired of tracking your bets out on messy spreadsheets? Don't know your ROI or bet record because you are on so many different sportsbooks? Well, pick it. The best track, best bet tracking app on the market makes it quick and easy to track your bets on all of your sportsbooks. Track your bets, shop the best lines, and sweat all your bets with a community of avid bettors. Just sign up today using promo code PFN365. Sync your favorite sports books, and you can win up to $100 for free. Remember, Picket is 100% free to join and to use. So what are you guys waiting for? Just use promo code PFN365 and track all your bets and get up to $100 for free just for signing up. We kind of talked, I kind of alluded to some of the trends earlier, kind of going the way you were looking at, Ian. And over on Picket, the community is kind of going the exact same way. Nearly 90% of the money and 85% of the volume is going to the Chargers on the money line. The spread is pretty much the same, just a little more, just a little slightly down on that one. Uh, between like four and a half to minus four, you can kind of fluctuate back and forth, sitting at about 56% of the money favoring on the Chargers to cover the spread, getting about 70% of the volume as well. And also they are very much leaning on the under, kind of with you on that one with the Chargers. Being able to score, Broncos having hard time finding the end zone. 82% of the money and 77% of the volume also leaning on the under at 45 and a half. The, the props that have seen the most volume, Austin Eckler, touchdown prop, I don't think that should entirely be surprising. That's kind of what he's done against the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, in the nine career games against the Denver Broncos defense, Eckler's had um, six different touchdowns, four on uh, two coming on the ground, four through the air. And in the last four matchups against the Broncos, Eckler's got three receiving touchdowns and one rushing touchdown. So averaging a touchdown per game, it makes a ton of sense why he is getting the action that he has. Mike Williams, assuming that Keenan Allen is not going to play, Mike Williams makes sense as a as a uh, potential touchdown score on there. He's getting the second best uh, odds right now, according to people over on Pickett. Melvin Gordon, just given without Javante Williams, makes a ton of sense on there. Although, don't be surprised if we do see a little bit more room uh, from Latavius Murray, who was inactive last week because they had just brought him in. We can kind of see him rotating in with Mike Boone a little bit in that number two kind of role, but certainly Melvin Gordon's the guy you're looking at. And then Cortland Sutton is also another player that they're heavy on for the uh, touchdown props. I would also take a look at um, Gerald Everett. I think he's in the sneaky spot here, but we'll kind of see what happens with that one. Um, Justin Herbert, um, 264.5 passing yards. Getting a little bit of action on the on that one, but I'm seeing quite a few people actually taking the under on that one because uh, they think they could just have success running the ball. I also did see that Justin Simmons will be getting activated off the IR uh, for the Denver Broncos. They'll be getting back one of the better safeties in the NFL. 
And I did see that Greg Dolchich will be back too. I don't think there's going to be any props out there for him, but could be someone to keep an eye on, especially if you're heavily invested in guys like Eric Salbert and also for Albert Okwebenam. Uh Corlin Sutton going to be that number one guy, 68 and a half receiving yards. It's hard for me to stay away from Cortland Sutton in a game where they know they're probably playing from behind. I got to think he's going to be looking his way because Jerry Judy hasn't done much. And I think one receiving prop that I have seen a ton of action for, and it makes a ton of sense, Austin Eckler, 36.5 receiving yards. I could, I could definitely see him kind of clearing that. I might stay away from it just because we don't know what that game trip is going to be entirely. But if you want to take some action on that one, it's hard to bet against arguably one of the best receiving backs in the NFL uh, in recent years. So I think Austin Eckler makes a ton of sense. And in several different leagues, especially also if you're doing uh, if you're doing fantasy as well. He's locked in this week. He's a top three running back no matter what. But I also want to tell you guys about the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season. It is underdog and their pick em game. Just look for your favorite or least favorite player's stats and pick whether they'll end up higher or lower than that total in this week's game. And you went up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile app. Just pick between two and five players for your pick entry, get all your picks right, and you can take home some cold, hard cash. It is super simple to get started. Just head over to underdogfantasy.com or download the app and sign with promo code PFN and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Remember, that is Underdog Fantasy with promo code PFN and you can get in on the action today. Kind of talked about some of those the solos props. We're kind of seeing those leading over here into Underdog, Ian. We've got Justin Herbert sitting here at 266 and a half passing yards. Which way are you kind of lean on this? Are you going higher or lower on Herbert and his passing yards tonight? Yeah, I'm actually looking at the lower here, and a big reason is Denver's pass defense. They just scare me. They are a wonderful unit. It's going to be a great yep. matchup. I will say, the the top thing I want to see this game, number two passing attack in the NFL, number two pass defense in the NFL. You mentioned Justin Simmons coming back. Super exciting. I want to see strength versus strength. It's the one great aspect of this matchup. So how does Herbert do? Well, last four matchups, he's averaging 268 passing yards, two touchdowns, and an interception against Denver. A lot of these fantasy lines are based around those averages. And so I think when we look at the running game and how the Chargers could have a little bit of success there, we've got Keenan Allen. Obviously, he's been banged up, so that's a huge factor for me on this one. I have to go with the lower here because 266.5, it's, it's super reasonable against every other team. Herbert can go for 329 against everybody. But Denver's been a little bit different, and they've given him a lot of trouble throughout his career. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the pressure because we do know Herbert has been dealing with a little bit of a of a rib injury, and they've got to limit the number of times that Herbert gets taken down. And they've done a good job so far this year. Uh, he's only taken five sacks so far, which is the least sack quarterback in the league. But when Denver faces him in their four career games, they've got seven sacks on Justin Herbert, which could very much be a factor once again here tonight. Don't be surprised if we end up seeing them getting a couple sacks on Justin Herbert here. You've got Russ on here as well. Actually looking at his rushing yards, not so much his passing yards. I think it's because we're kind of just, we don't know what to do with Russell Wilson right now in this passing game. So I think the rushing game does make more sense. I think it's a pretty low number here at 13.5 rushing yards. Which way are you leaning on Russ trying to get it done on the ground tonight? I like the higher in this one. 13 and a half, super reasonable. He's hit the the higher on the last three uh, matchups and some of them pretty easily. He's been hitting almost double that. Uh, I just think this is going to be one of those matchups where, like you said, if he has an off-passing game, which has been every other game, making him impossible to play in these game, in these matchups, I think he's just going to have to run the ball. He's going to have to extend. This team's going to have to play with desperation tonight. 
And speaking of running the ball, the Chargers have been pretty poor against that so far this year, along 5.8 yards per carry. Melvin Gordon coming here at 55 and a half rushing yards. Ian, are you kind of taking the uh, the higher on this one? I am. This is kind of like an automatic play for me, just because bad defense, good running back. It it might only take you know maybe 10 carries, if that. Eight carries, he might be able to get that really easily. So I'm going with the higher. Yep. Cats, do you have any underdog plays for us tonight? Yeah, I've got four that I put in my underdog article that you can find on ProFootballNetwork.com. Um, the first one we're going with is a guy that Tommy mentioned a little bit earlier, and that was Eric Saubert over, uh, or sorry, Eric Saubert higher than 1.5 receptions. Uh, Saubert has kind of emerged as the starting tight end for the Denver Broncos. Um, he ran Which is so weird because 20- we were all in on Alberto. He was supposed to have been the breakout this year, but they're like, nah, we don't want to use you. Yeah, it's very, it's very strange to see how the Broncos deployed their tight end. But I think that uh, the last two weeks, we've kind of shown, okay, Saubert looks to be their primary receiving tight end. He ran 24 routes in week four and 20 in week five. And of the receiving yards allowed by the Chargers, 23.5% of them have gone to tight ends. Uh, so I like Saubert to catch at least two passes tonight. Also looking at Austin Eckler higher than four receptions. Mm-hmm. We touched on him plenty already. This one's really short and simple. Eckler has caught at least four passes in every game this season. Oh. And if he if he lands exactly on four, then you know what? It, it comes out of your bed, it comes out of your uh, pick him entry, and you you just you drop down one, and it's it's no big deal there. Yeah. So I think Eckler catches at least four passes there. We'll take him higher than four receptions. Joshua Kelly, higher than 20.5 rushing yards. I mean, maybe I'm overreacting to last week, but I know we discussed him uh, a little earlier as well. Carried the ball 10 times for 49 yards last week. If he gets 10 carries again, he's easily going to have more than 20.5 rushing yards. I think he can do it on like five to seven carries anyway. So we're taking Josh Kelly, higher than 20.5 rushing yards there. And finally, this might go a little bit against what we what you guys have said about the uh, quality of pass defense of the Broncos. But I do like Mike Williams higher than 5.5 receptions. I think even if the Broncos do contain the Chargers passing attack, Williams can have more of an inefficient day where he kind of has a little volume. In five games this season, Williams has caught at least seven passes in three of them. And over the past two weeks, Herbert's really locked in on Williams as his wide receiver one without Keenan Allen with a combined 24 targets. Uh, Keenan Allen's not going to play tonight. So if we're looking at Williams seeing a total of anywhere from eight to 10 targets. It's hard for me to imagine he doesn't catch at least six passes, even if it's only for like 40 or 50 yards. I think that's still a good play to put in your underdog pick him slip. Yeah, I mean, it's just volume. I mean, outside of Austin Eckler, he's going to be throwing to Mike Williams. That makes a ton of sense. That's going to wrap up today's episode of the Run the Table podcast powered by Pro Football Network. If you enjoyed today's episode of the show, feel free to leave a rating over on iHeart, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you enjoy your favorite podcast. That is always going to be greatly appreciated. And remember to continue to stay up to date with all the latest around the league by heading over to ProFootballNetwork.com where you can find analysis covering not only fantasy football and betting, but breaking news around the league, college football, and the NFL draft. And remember to get involved with the PFN community. The PFN Pass gets you direct access to the Discord and unlocks exclusive content from PFN Productions, weekly giveaways, and weekly AMAs with the PFN staff, including lineup, waiver wire advice, a Sunday morning start set, plus even more betting coverage during the week to help you fill up that bankroll. And it's also never too early to start your mock drafts for the 2023 season using the PFN MDS, which you can find over at profootballnetwork.com forward slash mock draft. 
You can follow Jason over on Twitter at JasonCats13, Ian at NFL Film Study, and myself at Tommy Garrett PFN. Good luck. Hopefully you needed a Monday Night Miracle. It comes forward through you. And we will see you guys on Wednesday for another episode of the show.